Well, all right, here we are at day two of our New Testament challenge to read through the New Testament this year. You made it past the genealogy in chapter one of Matthew, and today uh, we were supposed to read Matthew chapter two. And again, just a reminder, this podcast is is designed to just help you see, hopefully, some general truths in the chapter and in the story. I want to go ahead and give a disclaimer if I didn't make it clear yesterday. Um, I'm not going to try to provide on this podcast every possible truth that you can find in these chapters. In fact, most of the time I will state the most obvious truth, but sometimes, as in yesterday, some of the most obvious truths I won't necessarily comment on. What I will comment on sometimes are some of those more obscure things that perhaps you didn't notice the first time you read it through. But here we are at Matthew 2. Hopefully you will have already read the chapter for yourself. And uh, today in Matthew 2, we continue the story and the circumstances surrounding the birth of the Lord Jesus. And uh, after reading the chapter, I want us again to focus on three simple truths that we can glean from it. Here's the first truth. It's much of the same as yesterday. We again see God being faithful to his word. We saw this in Matthew 1, and we see it again here in chapter 2. Spoiler alert, we're going to see this a whole bunch in places throughout the New Testament. So having read the chapter, did you notice how many times Matthew specifically mentioned that certain events happened in order to fulfill a word of prophecy that the Lord had spoken through an Old Testament prophet? So in verse 1, Matthew tells us that Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. Well, that's not an insignificant detail because Matthew uh, tells us that in verse 5 that he sees this as a fulfillment of a 700-year-old prophecy from Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. In verses 13 through 16, if you think about those verses, Matthew recounts for us how Joseph and Mary had to flee with the infant Jesus to Egypt in order to escape King Herod's decree that all male children two years old or younger should be killed. He tells us in verse 15 that he sees this, in, uh, in this event, uh, the fulfillment of another 700-year-old prophecy from Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. Matthew notes in verse 18 that Herod's murder of all the male children fulfilled what the Lord had predicted 600 years earlier in Jeremiah 31, verse 15. In verses 19 through the end of the chapter, Matthew tells us that when Joseph Mary and Jesus returned from Egypt. They didn't go back to Bethlehem, but instead <clears throat> went to the town of Nazareth. And again, it's not insignificant. Matthew notes in verse 23 that this was to fulfill God's word through the prophets. And not only do we see all these events fulfilling prophecies long ago foretold, but we over and over again see God arranging circumstances to ensure that it is a fulfillment and not just some event. This is why Matthew notes that God sent dreams to the wise men in verse 12 and to Joseph in both in verse 13 and verse 19. God was now bringing about the, the fulfillment of the promises that he had made 
through the prophets centuries before. So again, we see God is always faithful to his promise. God is faithful to his word. But here's the second truth you might see here. And I would summarize it as exaltation through humiliation. Exaltation through humiliation. What do I mean by that? Where do we see it? Well, Jesus would later say during his earthly ministry that a servant is not greater than his master. That's John fifteen twenty. In other words, the life of a Christian should, should and will mirror the life of Christ himself. So Jesus is now exalted at the right hand of the Father. Hebrews 1, 3. And we're going to be studying Hebrews this fall and spring. So Jesus is now exalted at the right hand of the Father, Hebrews 1, 3. But his path to that exaltation was a road of humble humiliation. Philippians 2, 5 through 11 describes that. We begin to see that, that idea here in Matthew chapter 2. We see glimpses of the glory of this child who was born. First of all, he was born in Bethlehem. Uh, the city which had been foretold by the prophet Micah, but also it's the same city that, that King David himself had been born in. See that in 1 Samuel 16. So furthermore, the wise men come to Herod in verse 2 asking where this child was who had been born, born, born what? King of the Jews. So this was not an ordinary child. This is a royal child, Jesus, who was born, born in a royal city. And one of the gifts the wise men brought him was a royal gift gold you see that in verse 11 however the gift of myrrh i don't know if you ever thought about this the gift of myrrh gold frankincense and myrrh the gift of myrrh would be a foreshadowing of the humiliation jesus would endure on his path to exaltation why how myrrh was often used in that day, for embalming the body of someone who had died. This gift of myrrh foreshadowed that it would be through the humiliation of the cross that Jesus would receive the crown of exaltation. And the same is true for us. As Paul would later say in 2 Timothy 2.12, If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. That's an encouraging word, especially if you're in the middle of a difficult time. Here's the third and final truth to see in this chapter, and that, that is that Jesus is our hope. Finally, uh, we begin to see something that will be developed more in the next few chapters of Matthew, and that is we begin to see God's plan for Jesus to obey where his people, Israel, had always disobeyed. So Jesus is in a sense, in his life, reliving the whole history of the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. So Jesus, where, where Israel in the Old Testament disobeyed, Jesus is now reliving those same steps, but obeying where they had disobeyed. Uh, Israel, we begin to see that here. Israel was enslaved in Egypt for over four, 400 years. See Exodus 12, verses 40 and 41. And the Lord would bring them out of slavery in Egypt with a mighty hand. That's a famous story, the Exodus, in Exodus chapters 6 through 15. There are all the plagues and stuff. Uh, 
and he would bring them out of slavery in Egypt with a mighty hand in order to be his chosen people who would walk in his ways and enjoy his blessing. And we know from reading the rest of the story that as soon as Israel was delivered in the Old Testament from slavery, they began to disobey the Lord. And as a result, the Lord punished them by causing them to wander in the desert for 40 years. See that in Numbers chapter 32. It's not coincidence merely that here in Matthew 2, when Herod threatened his evil plan to kill all the male children two years old and younger, verse 16, the Lord instructed Joseph to flee, not just to flee anywhere to seek safety, but flee specifically to Egypt. And he sent them down to Egypt so that after Herod died, Jesus in his own life would come out of Egypt, verse 15. He would come out of Egypt just like Israel came out of Egypt. But we're going to see in the coming chapters that where Israel disobeyed the Lord at every point after that deliverance out of Egypt, Jesus would obey the Father at every point after that. The reason Jesus was obeying like this is so that when we put our faith in Jesus, not only does God take our sin away from us, and lay it on the cross of Jesus Christ. But he takes all that perfect obedience of Jesus during his earthly life, and he credits it to our account. As the, the hymn puts it that we sing all, often, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. That's a good word found here in Matthew 2.